Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2020, with a focus on how coaches shape happy and healthy humans. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Wow, I can't believe that we're halfway through day two already. We're a global team here at Eurocoach with team members in US and Western and Eastern Europe. We brought together experts from across the world to highlight the global reach that health and wellness coaches have while comparing and sharing best practices. Joining us from two continents are Isabella Natrans, Dominic Hodgen, and Kim Asito, with Sarah Fisher moderating. Due to a time conflict, Fiona Cosgrove couldn't join us from Australia, but we have her insights to add to this worldly panel. Okay, so welcome. It's nice to have a nice international representation um, in this particular panel for our health coaching worldwide session. So I am pleased to um, have the following esteemed panelists with me today. I want to first introduce Dominique Hodgson, who's the Executive Director of Education at Dr. Sears Wellness Institute. Dominique, do you want to just give a few words um, about yourself? Sure. So as, uh, as she said, my name is Dominique Hodgen. I am located in the United States. I've been the Executive Director of Education for the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute for many years. I was actually brought on uh, very early on in this organization to help spearhead some of the training. Uh, I am also a board certified, national board certified health and wellness coach through the NBHWC, and I do sit on the advisory panel for them. And I've been uh, integral in the health coaching industry for many, many years. So I'm excited to be here. Great. Super. Thanks. Uh, next, we'll move on to the UK. Uh, Isabella Natrines, who's a CEO of the UK Health, is Coaches, health Coaches Association. She's also the former director of professional standards and development. She's the founder of Isabella Natrines, Food, Health and Lifestyle. And she's the co-founder of the British Association for Holistic Medicine and Healthcare's Real Food Campaign UK. Isabella, what else can you tell us that I didn't cover? <laughs> um, actually, nothing. I'm just, thank you very much for inviting us here. I'm really, um, really, really happy to be representing the UK. Um, I guess the only thing that I could add to that is that we in the UK are very much um, champions of real food um, and food first uh, for health coaches um, and, and, you know, helping our health coaches understand just to get their clients off the processed food and onto real food and whole foods is something that, you know, we're all very committed to which is why I, I'm, I wear the double hat, really. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. And Kim Acido, did I say it correct, Kim? That's right. Joining us from Canada. Uh, she's a virtual health and self-care coach for women in midlife from Vancouver. Uh, Kim, turn it over to you for a couple of minutes. 
Yeah, so I've always had my own private practice um, as a health and wellness coach for women in midlife. I'm very niched in my audience. Um, I moved to Canada almost three years ago from Los Angeles. So most of my training and education has been there. Um, and yeah, I, let's see, I'm a membership director for ICF Vancouver uh, chapter. And um, I have a master's degree in uh, health science and I'm a certified health and wellness coach. Super. Great. Ladies, let's jump right into the uh, discussion because I think that's what everybody wants to hear. Um, I wanted to start with a question around what trends you're seeing in the coaching industry and your respective geographies. So what's been emerging over the past years? And um, maybe it's interesting also to touch on a little bit of what you're seeing in the coaching training versus nutrition training and how those worlds are meeting. But um, I'll uh, turn it over. Maybe I'll hand the floor to Dominique. Why don't you get us started? Sure. Well, here in the U.S., health coaching is definitely on the rise. The industry in total has probably been around for about 10 years. But in the last five, since the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching has come on the scene, uh, it has grown tremendously. And we're seeing health coaches become an integral part of the healthcare teams here in the U.S. And uh, it's been exciting to see, even with our current worldwide state with uh, a pandemic, health coaching is growing even more because people are becoming more aware of their own health and realizing how important uh, food and movement are in their own health care. And so uh, the trends are amazing. I've, I've never seen anything like it in the last, since in the last five years. It's growing. That's great. I mean, does anyone see, are you seeing similar in the UK? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate in that it actually just since I think it was September, mid-September, our NHS National Health Service has um, embraced health coaching within um, the NHS and has set up uh, a, something called the Personalised Care Institute to help integrate health coaching and other, and other modalities that are aligned to personalised care. Um, to bring it into the NHS in a, in a very big way. So we're very, very pleased that they are seeing the light and the value um, and the benefit of, of having that health coach within each of the primary care practices. Um, and I guess really for us, we're seeing, you know, probably the same for you. We're seeing a, a huge explosion in, um, you know, health apps and health tech and lots of behavioral change gizmos, you know, which absolutely fantastic, but we feel very strongly that these should be aligned with the human um, input uh, from an experienced and, and well-qualified health coach uh, and how powerful those, you know, the, the interface of technology and humanity can be in helping people change their behavior. Yeah. Super. Kim, and you've done this across two geographies now, I think, right? So yeah, yeah. So it's been interesting to kind of see the difference. Um, you know, in Canada, I think coaching in general is a little more well-known. There's a lot of team coaching, executive coaching. So people sort of understand a little bit more, I think, what coaching is. Um, as far as wellness coaching, I feel like it's, it's um, more specific here in Canada. Like you, you go and you um, you get a nutrition certification or you go and you get a, you know, very um, specific certification. Um, whereas I felt like in the U S it was just a little more, a little more broad, which was my own experience. 
Um, something that's interesting about Canada is that uh, there's a big emphasis on diversity and inclusion. So seeing health from different perspectives, um, you know, and, and hearing about people's health who are dealing with different, you know, societal issues, environments, economics, um, those things are really important uh, to, to um, people here in Canada. Prevention, health promotion, you know, getting in front of disease and illness as opposed to trying to fix it afterwards. So those are some of the things that I'm seeing here in Canada. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of actually leads into the, the next area where I was that I was going to go into. I mean, a lot of you are talking about the different certifications, right? Uh, Kim, you're just mentioning some. Um, and actually, one of the panelists who wasn't able to join us from Australia due to the time change, Fiona Cosgrove, who's the owner and founder of Wellness Coaching Australia, she also, I think, now has a, um, a board certification program. So like one of the first international programs with a board certification. So let's talk about kind of that accreditation, um, other types of services that you're seeing from the health coaching community. What's front and center in your geographies and your communities? What kinds of accreditations are sort of leading the way that people say, okay, it's nice that you've got this found, you know, foundational education, but, you know, Dominique, as you mentioned, in order to work in more of the healthcare setting, what sorts of accreditations are really required? And is board certification a differentiator or just a nice to have? Yeah, I think that for sure it is. Right now, it's nice to have. I think that the trend is definitely going more towards that area. You know, that board exam, what the first board exam that was offered here in the U.S. was uh, done in 2017, September of 2017. It's a rigorous exam. It's four and a half hours long. It's it's um, it's an intense exam. And I think that the fact that the NBHWC has to approve programs for specific programs to have their graduates qualify for the national board exam is the first step in that process. Um, there is an amazing amount of um, work that goes into prepping for that board. And so it's very well recognized. And, and as that has come to the forefront, more and more organizations are seeing that as a qualification to hire coaches. And so the trend is definitely there um, with the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching. And even though it's, it's a United, it's a U.S., programming, the exam is actually offered internationally. So there's, an, there's exams offered all over the world uh, through the organization that they've partnered with to offer that exam. So uh, I'm not sure how recognized, I'd be curious to hear from our other panelists here what if that's recognized in their uh, areas as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. No, I said jump right in as well. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so I'd like to say, yes, it is very much recognised. Clearly, it's not um, a requirement here in the UK, as it, as it I'm sure will be ultimately, you know, in, in the US. But um, we have an increasing number of members within the UK Health Coaches Association. So we're for the UK and Ireland. Um, we have an increasing number of members that have graduated from schools that are recognised by the National Board. Um, and we're very pleased to say that we have taken your framework in America to um, uh, actually embed our, we, when I came into post as professional standards director, 
uh, we quickly recognized that we wanted to future-proof our standards and you know help our coaches really get integrated in into what was coming as we saw it in the in the health systems in the UK and Ireland. So we have taken the framework that the National Board has worked so very many years and so hard to put in place. And we've used that as the foundation for our standards, which we are currently revising and updating as we speak. Um, and yeah, we're, we're very pleased to, to be doing that because it, it's an amazing piece of work and I can only congratulate you guys for, you know, for the National Board website, the support that you give to your uh, students, to the schools, uh, for the school's approval process. Um, it's all really, really high quality and yeah, big congratulations and we're learning a lot from you here in the UK. Yeah, and I have to agree, um, you know, because coaching is not regulated, um, we need to have these standards, right, so that we're able to raise the profile of coaching as a profession. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing some of these things for the first time as far as, um, you know, having to, um, you know, prepare for the exam before you graduate or things like that. So I really like um, where this is headed as far as where Canada is with that. I'm not quite sure. Um, there are a couple of wellness coaching schools here, but they're in Ontario, so they're on the other side of the country. So I'm not quite sure about that, but um, but yeah, definitely the U.S. has led the way as far as the National Board Certified Credential. Yeah. Super, and that kind of triggers in my um, traditional healthcare brain a question around um, reimbursement. So. Um, where are you finding that many of the health coaches are finding their work in, um, in your networks locally and in, in each of your geographies? Is it possible to bill for any kind of uh, reimbursed payment by an insurance companies or is it really still private pay, personal pay, you know, primarily driven in those aspects? What, what, kinds of, what kinds of trends are you seeing with that respect and how difficult is the reimbursement uh, landscape for health coaches? I'll turn it to anyone who wants to jump in <laughs> this well, time. <laughs> if I can start, because it's very different in the UK, obviously, because we have a national health service. So those um, patients who, who, who actually are referred into the health coaching um, uh, discipline within primary health care at the moment, that's where they've bedded it in. Um, th those, you know, we, we have our health services free at the point of delivery still. Um, However, our, our, um, you know, many, many of our members don't work within the NHS, you know, that, that they've just opened their doors, as I say, since September. Uh, but many of us work in private practice and increasingly in uh, multi and interdisciplinary practices in private healthcare. So that is pay as you go. And, uh, you know, increasingly it's uh, either refer loose referrals through um, informal networks or uh, a, a much bigger number now of practitioners outside the NHS with some frustration because they want to either practice functional or lifestyle medicine, which is still very new for the NHS. So these guys are, you know, getting together and creating you know what I'm sure will be a very high quality important and you know alternative uh, for people to come to you know in the fullness of time so we're seeing we're very very excited about 
the whole thing really. Um, it's a pleasure to see it in the UK. Great. Kim, Dominique. Um, well, just with the single payer healthcare system in Canada, um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of emphasis around already, you know, the prevention, like I talked about earlier. So as far as health coaching, that's kind of an added service. But um, if you work for a, a pretty good company here, um, there are definitely a lot of benefits around health coaching that you can get externally. But um, access to healthcare, I mean, is is really a um, it's something that everybody has. So that's really nice. And then additionally, things, you know, are on top of that, that you can pay for, or a lot of it is paid through your employer. As far as um, wellness coaching, that could be through your employer, perhaps 100% paid, if not um, 80% to 100% would be paid by your employer, which is, which is really great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here in the U.S., clearly, you know, we're not on a one-pay system. Uh, we do still have insurance companies. And so this has been an, an interesting progression with the national board. So back in January of 2020, the American Medical Association did issue three CPT billing codes for insurance. They're a, what they're called a category three, which means there's no guarantee that the that the patient would be re or that they would be able to get paid, the health coach could be paid by the insurance, but it, there's a, a process that it goes through. It's a five-year, up to a five-year process that as more and more physicians are billing insurance for the health coaching, and you do have to be board certified uh, to be qualified to bill insurance. But what, what the trend and what we're hoping to see is that we get to what they call a category one, which means it's more likely that insurance companies will pay. We're also seeing um, HSA accounts, um, health savings accounts is what that stands for. And what's happening is that a lot of um, organizations are allowing those monies to be used towards health coaching. We obviously still have self-pay, so that's still a, an option too. So it really just depends, but there's a lot of companies that are hiring health coaches and, uh, and one company coming to my mind right now, they actually find health coaches for insurance companies. So insurance companies here are starting to see, just like in Canada and probably in the UK, they're seeing the benefit of bringing a health coach on early on to, to help with prevention, right? To treat disease states early on in the process, to uh, stop them from progressing and not allowing those disease states to get out of control where there's a treatment, has to be a treatment plan. But that is something that is definitely on the trend, trending here in the US and that's a big uh, shift for us and something very exciting to be seeing. Yeah, that's a great, yeah. So yeah, and in every respect, it sounds like things are, uh, there's a lot of momentum behind the, the value and the contribution coming into healthcare from the health coaches. So it's not just kind of if you're looking for some external you know, coaching via your own private pay situation. I mean, obviously, as we discussed, there are a lot of different ways that these things can be that they can be reimbursed or compensated for whether by employers um self-pay or as an add-on to actual you know free practice of healthcare. so um so that's all great trends and, and i'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, outside of this panel you know how are you got how are, are you finding ways to connect with health coaching associations internationally to be able to share these insights and these learnings or um, is everything really primarily at the moment focused domestically for you ladies? Um, well, I guess if you mean associations, there are not that many. 
um, um, they're, they're just beginning, I think, to, you know, to, to, to create themselves. But we're very proud that the UK um, Health Coaching Association is for, for the UK and Ireland is the first in the world, actually. Um, and now we have uh, our colleagues in um, Australia and New Zealand who have recently formed and who um, uh, actually I was just on, on a call this morning with a Fiona who can't be here because of the time issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, the, the uh, GWI uh, coaching initiative um, has a panel from um, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, the USA and Singapore and of course ourselves. Um, and we're you know, very excited to be bringing the, all of those constituencies together all around the world to kind of get onto the same page and align ourselves so that you know, we're, we're actually supporting each other and speaking with the same voice. Um, so we're, we're very much in tune with that. And our own in the UK, we have, um, as I say, an increasing number of graduates from UK schools. Um, and we're very pleased to welcome them. And as well, uh, we've recently um, approved uh, a school in New Zealand uh, for the first time. Uh, and we have an, an increasing number of UK-based schools that are working with universities and colleges of higher education to produce some really first-class training courses. So it's an exciting world. So yes, <laughs> Isabella, yes. <laughs> Great. And how about uh, from North America for both Dominique and Kim? What a, what a, how is the, uh, I mean, is there actually even coordination between Canada and the US on some of these topics? Not really. No. <laughs> yeah, it, there should be. There should be. I mean, you know, and just to echo, um, you know, I think that we do need to get on page internationally. And we, you know, having us all, everybody kind of be on that same platform and that same premise is, as far as putting health coaching uh, first and foremost to help prevention, right? And if, and to focus on more of that functional medicine, lifestyle medicine, um, the prevention side of things, there's tremendous data and research out there that shows it works. Uh, we've probably all seen that. And it's just a matter of getting the more traditional side of things across that chasm and into the more into the prevention uh, realm so that we can all be a part of that that process. That's right. Right. Yeah, there's just a lot. Yeah. Um, like Dominic said, there's a lot of research just that the fact that, you know, illness is very expensive, but prevention is much cheaper. So I think like people are starting to understand this. Um, it, it benefits everybody economically, um, health-wise, whereas we're seeing with COVID, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about let's reopen things, let's get things going so we can get the economy open again. But if we understand this is a prime example of, of wellness here and health here is that the best way to, you know, build the economy is to get healthy, right? So um, I think this is really you know, shined a light on the whole world's um, health, right? And you're looking at the countries that are doing really well. And um, there's, there's not a lot of obesity in those countries. Um, those are countries where, you know, there's, there's good health care. Um, you know, there's community. So people are thinking about each other because we know that affects our health as well when it's not such an individualistic mindset. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that COVID really helps us all get on the same page as far as look, this is good for everybody. When we're healthy, 
um, everybody does better. So um, it's exciting to think about. Yeah, and let's sort of bridge that passion into maybe talking about the passion you all had about getting into this space. So if you could think of maybe um, a story uh, from your experience in coaching so far or something that inspired you to actually get into the industry itself, right? To start to say, hey, you know, why are each of you kind of leading the way and in your respective geographies and and um, carrying the flag, you know, for the health coach community. I'd love to hear, you know, stories you've had with clients or your own kind of personal experience about why you're passionate about the space. Anyone can go first. <laughs> Isabella, I want to call on you. All right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> My, uh, I got into this, I've been in the health space for many, many a long year, um, but I got into health coaching really through um, my own autoimmune condition, which um, and as I ran away from my uh, rheumatologist with being chased by a prescription for methotrexate, um, I thought I don't want to go there. So as a, a former health researcher, um, uh, health psychologist in, in research, I uh, I started to research into my own health and soon found that, my goodness, how many ways could I actually get healthy here? Um, so fired with that, um, I started to create a prescription for my own, a lifestyle prescription for my own health, um, and then quickly saw that this was something I really wanted to do. So I trained. Um, and my best successes with clients have been other women with autoimmune conditions. Um, I had psoriatic arthritis, which I've put to bed, um, and I've helped um, several, actually, women with this and, and endometriosis of all things. And mm. I mean, it's astonishing how much you can, how much progress you can make if, uh, as an individual, you're committed to finding better health, to creating that resilient health and to doing it holistically. So, you know, looking at why you want your health in the first place and working from that sense of individual purpose and meaning and then doing, making all the small steps around the whole of the, you know, the pillars of, of health. So I, that's why I got into it myself. That's the way I found and I, it's definitely the way I practice. And I'm thrilled as on a, on a practitioner level to, to be able to support people to get kind of results that I'm, and I'm only doing what I do now, actually, because I managed to get myself back into a place of health instead of illness. It's a great story. And then it's one I think we see quite often, honestly, that it starts with yourself and then you realize what's possible and you want to share it with others. So I can imagine maybe there's a similar theme as we keep going around this um, virtual panel <laughs> actually the the i mean that's the whole the, i mean obviously i'm the director of education for the doctors wellness institute and dr sears his his story really impacted me uh, i actually have lost two immediate family members to obesity related illnesses um, obesity it's a whole train of reaction with things and so i had a personal interest in in this industry and then meeting Dr. Sears and hearing his story, he's a stage four colon cancer survivor, um, 20 
five years ago, he was, his diagnosis was pretty grim <laughs> um, and his prognosis was pretty grim. And he decided at that point to um, put in, we have these principles that are kind of the foundation of what we teach and it's lifestyle, exercise, attitude, nutrition, and they all four work together. They're the four pillars of health. And he as a physician and as a, a researcher, he worked actually for the National Institutes of Health for many years. And so just an avid researcher and started looking, and this was, this was many years ago, right? 25 years ago, started looking into how do I survive this and realized that those four key factors were missing out of his life. And as a doctor, many doctors are not very healthy <laughs> for some reason. They don't tend to take their own advice. And so he was very typical and he got into um, just understanding and learning about these four areas and started implementing them in his life and started seeing the dramatic um, recovery that was happening. And his physicians were baffled. Well, how fat, why is he recovering so quickly? How is he recovering from this? He still had traditional treatment plans, of course, but, uh, but overall his, you know, surviving at that stage of cancer that far advanced uh, is tremendous. And my background previous to coming into this world um, was in the pharmaceutical industry. So I spent many, many days in cath labs and hospitals and teaching hospitals and working with physicians and seeing what happens when you don't take care of yourself. Um, so it's a personal thing for me, seeing all these, all these medications that are out there which are necessary in some cases, of course, but how many things can be prevented before you get to that stage? And, um, and so for me, it's, it's, a, it's a personal journey just from all of the things that I've had the privilege of learning and then um, knowing Dr. Sears and knowing his story and then seeing it has an impact on my own family by not taking care of yourself and what can be the end result of that. So it's a, it's a passion for me. Great. Great. And for me, um, I just took the things that I love. Um, I love business. Um, I love the stage of midlife um, in a person's life. Um, I love um, women's equality and I wanna further um, women's health and equality and longevity um, and, and health. Um, so I basically took all those things together and created my own virtual coaching practice. I wanted to have location freedom. So I decided to go virtual, which was a great, I mean, which has been fine for me, right? Because I didn't really lose any clients because I was already virtual. So that was nice. And then, um, you know, just being able to choose who I work with every day, which is why I chose to go that way, as opposed to working for a company that would feed me clients. I wouldn't have to go and get the clients, but I wouldn't be able to choose who I work with. So, um, so I was able to kind of, to choose my demographic and um, really helping women realize, um, because I'm sure all of us here have been on many, many diets throughout our lives, um, but helping women realize that it's not just about diet and exercise, but you know, it's about sleep, it's about stress, it's about our relationships, it's about our environment. There's so many different factors that go into our health and well-being and our happiness, and they're all connected. And I think globally, we're just starting to see that. Um, that it's, it's well beyond dieting, but it's about the stories we tell ourselves and um, the things that we need to unlearn, um, having to do with our weight and the scale and you name it, I'm <laughs> preaching to the crowd here. So, um, so yeah, that, that was why I got into the work that I do. Well, and you hit on two other uh, key points that, I mean, I'd love to hear what you, what you all are seeing um, with these two lens, with the le these two different lenses. The first being that this invisible woman concept 
um, that most of the data, you know, for years or for decades, even better described, has just really not been focused on women in general across the board. And then especially when you look at female health, right? Um, so like these kind of reproductive mysteries, like how the, how could that possibly still be such a mystery? So, you know, some of the fertility issues that women have dealt with, or you mentioned endometriosis and things have just become very underdiagnosed in women. So uh, there's that lens I'd love to hear of, you know, is, 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 do you find that most of your practice is really focusing on the gaps that healthcare leaves behind live for women? Um, and is it still true today? Do you, that, are you seeing any trends where people are proactively coming for some health coaching and support to get educated before they have a catalytic health crisis? Or are most people coming to you still with a chronic ailment or condition, you know, similar to what you'd say, you'd show up at a physician's office only when a symptom arises. Are you seeing people that are just taking a genuine interest in their health or is pretty much all of what you're seeing still very symptomatic and sort of responsive? I'd love to, with those two angles, I'd just love to hear about what you both are, what you're all are seeing in your practice. Um, well, shall I, shall I go first then? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, for, for me, I think that menopause in the midlife um, area is, is very, you know, that I see so many women coming now. In the UK, we have traditionally been not very well served um, for, for women at midlife and men, finding them coming earlier into perimenopause, as I'm sure Kim would see too. Um, that the health problems uh, I in my I in my practice I see women in their late thirties already um, coming with symptoms and worry not dreadful ones you know some are but not dreadful but they're now um, are um, aware enough to, to to feel that they want to know more so some do come for preventive what can I do how can I stop this from getting worse can we nip it in the bud others are coming because they are desperate not to have surgery or yet another hormone um, regime that hasn't worked before um, and you know in, uh, and actually then on the other end of scale the top end of my age range particularly is in the kind of going into their mid 50s and I'm finding that these are women who want a good old age they want to get you know put what is it the uh, life into their years rather than the years you know into into their life and they want vibrancy and they want to eat right and they want to you know, what are the things I want to do the things because I want to enjoy my life so it's it, it's great to to welcome those women um and I, I'm so pleased really there's like for me the women we women hold the world in the palm of our hands you know we're hardwired to care we're hardwired to be the healers traditionally you know the female has been the healer um and I'm very much I'm sure Kim would agree that, you know on a mission to say to women reclaim that power because it's so powerful and so needed in the world today Oh, that's not inspiring. I don't know, Dominic Kim. <laughs> can you add? <laughs> Any other guys? Are you yeah, seeing? Just that it's great to it's great to hear um, people from around the globe. I mean, um, I wish we had the other lady that was going to be here. Um, but yeah, this is it's really great to come together and talk about these issues and see that we're all on the same page and we all are. You know, we want the same things for each other and. 
um, you know, because I have my own practice, it's out of pocket. So, um, you know, so there's a very high um, motivation to make some changes when somebody comes and works with me because they have to pay 100% of that. Um, yeah. But I'm also seeing a younger demographic starting to work with me. Um, people often ask, you know, what is midlife, Kim? What do you say midlife is? And I used to call it a, an age, um, but now I see it more of a stage in life. And, um, you know, there are many women who are single, never been married or never had kids or um, had kids late or whatever. So we're seeing, you know, that this is really changing um, based on our world and, and what's happening with women. Um, so, yeah, I'm seeing a younger demographic starting to work with me, which is a good thing. They're um, nipping those things in the bud, like uh, someone said earlier. Yeah, so. Now, I'll address the second part of your question um, since we've kind of covered the female, although I do find it very interesting that health coaching is very female dominated. I don't know if you all have mm. that in your country, in your countries too. Um, very female dominated, not only people who want to be health coaches, but our clients are very female dominated. And, but in general, as far as like who's seeking health coaching, you know, definitely there's people out there who are a little bit on the forefront of things saying, yes, I want to prevent things. I want, I want to grow old. Well, I want to age well. I want to enjoy my life for a much longer period of time. But there's also this, this, especially in the U S where our food sources is probably worse than both of your other countries. Uh, we have an incredible amount of processed food where there's people that don't even know they're not healthy because they've never been healthy. They don't even know what that feels like. And so sometimes it's crossing that barrier where we're trying, helping to educate people on, on what does it mean to be healthy? What does that look like? Uh, it's not rocket science where a lot of people think, oh, it's so hard to be healthy. It, it's eating healthy and moving your body. It's not difficult. And helping coaches, empowering people to understand really the simplicity of it. And then just being there as an accountability partner to help them progress through that process and that change process and making those things but, you know, happen. But it really truly is a matter of educating our population populations to help them understand that there is another way to feel. You can feel better. You can have more energy. You can sleep better. You can hurt less. All of these things that people don't even associate um, sometimes with how we eat and how we move, right? And so that's that's been an interesting um, progression. And, and America is still way behind the curve on this. We're still very much into where people think that, oh, food and movement don't affect how I feel. And so we're we're on a big educational um, process here, trying to help people get educated and what that looks like for them. Yeah. And that must be so, I mean, I can imagine how surprising that is when you still, when you run into it. I mean, when you're all, there's a saying, you know, find your tribe. And I'd say everyone in this little virtual room is in there. We're in the same tribe, right? We're all singing from the same, the same sheet of music. And when you run into someone that has no concept of the fact that your food can impact your health, does it, it always hits me like a ton of bricks, like what? You didn't know that? <laughs> you know, like, how could that not be so clear? But, um, but yeah, that, that always gives value to the work that you all are doing. I realize that we're coming to the end of our session. So I will leave with um, one last question for you all. And that is your goals for 2021. If you name one, you know, thing you aspire to achieve as we head into 2021, what would that be for yourself and for the profession? Um, well, I guess I would like to just finish the, you know, finish or progress the, the, 
the job I've started, um, which, you know, for myself is to really step up to the to the plate of, of being the CEO of the UK Health Coaches Association. I, um, I, as I say, I'm very proud. I think we can move mountains. We've got a fantastic team in place now. We've had a lot of change within the teams um, and we have people in place now that we know are going to take us forward. And for the profession um, to continue to create and maintain robust high standards for training, for education, to continue scope of practice um, and, and making sure that our coaches know what they are meant to do and you know what's out of scope and to contribute to the international stage really to you know to take the whole thing forward with you all really yeah let's see kim dominique um so for the profession i would say is um to to be able to continue to place more emphasis especially as we're here in COVID, right in the thick of it, um, on sleep and stress. I don't think we place enough emphasis on the importance of um, both of those things and, and as a factor into our health and well-being. And then personally in my coaching practice, um, I have a podcast called the Me Time Midlife Podcast. It was number 17 in, in Midlife Podcast two years ago. It was number seven this year. So I really like to see that move up um, this coming year in 2021 to just um, have more awareness for women's uh, issues in the, in the midlife stage. Fantastic. And Dominique? Yeah, personally, you know, I'm very involved with them development and uh, creating new um, trainings and new concepts. And just to continue that work in 2021, just to really understand what people need. And, you know, Kim, I really think you touched on it. Stress is a huge factor right now and how that impacts our health and how to make that more relevant for people to understand that idea. Um, professionally, I think that there is, I would love to see that chasm close between traditional medicine and holistic health, right? That just closing that gap, helping educate more physicians, more healthcare providers to bring health coaches, even though they are definitely are starting to become part of that integral healthcare team is to make that more prominent um, to really help uh, educate uh, the medical community. And, you know, we have the privilege of doing that um, here at the Doctors Wellness Institute, just because we have a doctor that developed the program, but it is, it, it's, there's still a big chasm and we need to close that gap uh, to help really transition health coaching and the industry the ideals really into traditional medicine. I'd love to see that happen in 2021. Super. Ladies, thank you for an inspiring session and for allowing me to facilitate it. I hope it's not our last uh, global gathering and that we get to chat again sometime in the future, but I really enjoyed it. So thanks so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.